listening to the Ice Prep Podcast. Here's your hosts, Brian and Pat. Welcome, everyone, to Ice Prep Podcast, where, uh, if you can see, I'm no longer in the upstairs living room. Uh, instead, I've kind of got the, the background around me very dark so that you can't see that I'm in the basement. <laughs> he is in a dungeon. He has sent me, he's sent me a bunch of photos of this, and it honestly looks like he's running like a bootleg radio station. Like he's in the dark with his headphones on, and he's like in a corner by an old fireplace, <laughs> and there's like rations beside him. It is the funniest thing i've ever seen maybe i'll have uh, to uh put a photo online later and maybe maybe if i get bored i'll plug the uh, lava lamp in that i can see that's like right (laughs) right here in my eye line just like right there i have an unplugged lava lamp (laughs) no but hey i've got a ring light now i've i've officially become that person pat's had one for a while you know because i'm vain um (laughs) no because i i already told you this story but uh at work everyone thought i was sick um every single time i'd hop on a zoom call they would be like are you okay you look really sick you're like really gray and i'm like huh because my hair is gray and they're like no like your face it looks like you're dying and <laughs> it was just i have a window right beside me and it just washed me out so i said screw it and i bought like a 20 dollar ring light off of amazon because i was like i can't i can't i can't handle anymore are you okay because like no but you know <laughs> i don't want it to be because i look like the color of brian's shirt right? Um, so just before we got going, we both pulled up the, the basically ticker so we can see the score zero zero since then in the like three minutes that we were getting ourselves ready to go live, uh, now three, nothing for the abs, uh, game two, obviously game one, um, apparently anything that Edmonton touches ever since they got past LA is just insanity. Um, and who knows if it'll stay that way in this game because you've got, uh, Darcy Kemper did not start for the avalanche. Yeah. So what I thought at first was, uh, potentially him re-aggravating his eye. Actually, I got a phone call, um, when he went out. So I didn't even notice that he had left. I hopped on a phone and I was just kind of chatting. And then I came back and my buddy texted me and he was just like, Hey, what happened to Kemper? I know his friend Sosa's in. And I was like, what? And, um, I, I originally thought that, um, maybe it was something to do with his eye. And that was the reason because in the Nashville series, he got that stick in the eye through his cage and everything like that. Um, but then Brian, actually, you said that, uh, you're the first person who even I saw anybody talking about it. He took a couple pucks to the mask just before and his vision started to go, um, which is pretty I, scary. I don't remember where I saw that one, but it was one of those things that somebody had gone back to look and then it was shortly after that that he he pulled himself out of the game, which yep. is something you never want, but also probably a good thing that he was smart enough to realize, "Hey, something's not quite right here." And don't be a hero. And even though um Francis ended up letting in 3 after that, he is still I know that the biggest thing for Avs fans is we get to the playoffs, a goalie gets injured, we get out in the second round. Well, hey, you made it past the second round. Uh, You've got one goalie down, but it could just be precautionary reasons. Like, you look at the Oilers, they literally didn't announce until just before puck drop that it was going to be Mike Smith starting a net because he is the worst game one goalie that the Edmonton Oilers have ever had. I think his... uh, uh, average save percent over five game ones for the Oiler is like 0.6 something. Oh, um, he's only so he's only 0-3 because Koskinen got the loss in game one because the Oilers ended up coming back in that game. To me, that is the dumbest thing. Like, he let in... <sighs> yeah. The majority of the goals. I mean, but... technically... No, he let in the same amount of goals because there was the empty netter, right? No. He let in four goals, Koskinen did. So I, he becomes the goalie of record the second that the Oilers like make the game close, which is such a weird hockey thing. Yeah. Um, but as it stands right now, 10 minutes to go in the second. Avs looking good. Um, as we were saying before this got started, I know this is kind of a little bit of a, a live chat as it's happening and listening back to it after. 
but Rantanen hasn't been having the greatest of playoffs. No. Uh, he's looked, well, for the most part, kind of invisible. He got demoted to the second line, um, and he's playing a little bit better now that he's got Kadri kind of to carry him. Okay, so first of all, he is still a point per game. So to say that he is not doing well and he's invisible, that's... Mm, there, there's there's a couple other players that I would call invisible when in I comparison think of, to that. When I think of Miko Rantanen, though, it's, lately it's more for the goals, not for the putting oh, up the totally. assists, right? So that's where, for me, it's like if he's not putting up the goals, mind you, they're getting them all from JT Comfer, apparently, who scored, what, five goals in the, uh, the last three games for the Avs, not including this one. So, uh, I mean, yeah, nobody expected that one. Jimothy Timothy, he is really quite surprisingly good. Um, but like not at the same time. I don't know. He he's a good player at times when he feels like it, it seems. But back to Miko, um, assists really were a really strong point for him. Um, not this past year, but the one before it. That's actually where he garnered most of his points. Uh, quite a bit of them were. Uh, assists so it doesn't surprise me that that's sort of where he's regressed a little bit uh in the goal scoring because he was he was scoring out of his mind throughout the season i actually really like this move by bednar by splitting up what they like this big hero line and and kind of moving it around to make the second line even more lethal it was already really good it had um oh boy i don't even know the the friggin lineup <laughs> was it, now was but... it um kadri uh Nachushkin and um it was Lekkonen. Yeah, was so it Lekkonen? Double- yeah, because it was um, – yeah, because that – what a – swap. I would, I would like to point out that when that trade happened, I said he was going to be amazing, and you were like, I don't know. And well, he has turned into be like a – I said he is going to be one of those players that is going to be like an unsung playoff hero, and that's kind of the way he plays. Yep. He gets into the corners, and that's why I really like that move is because – Previously, Rantanen, he would kind of go in the corners, not so much. Landeskog, he's a net front guy. He, as much as he does like to go in the corners from time to time, he's also like, that's where the majority of his injuries have come from is going into the corners. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little more hesitant now. And McKinnon, you don't want him going into the corners. You want to get him the puck to just hurt people. Do whatever McKinnon thing he's going to do. Or exactly. then pass it off to Makar and Makar does whatever he's going to do uh yeah yeah exactly so you have three people that aren't really willing to get down and dirty into it like they don't really want to get into those little scrums they will but that's not where they shine so by putting Rantanen down onto the second line with Kadri which is in my opinion not too much of a demotion considering Kadri was one of the top point getters of the year um and wherever he goes he's most likely going to be the first line center next year Aside exactly. from like four, maybe five other teams in the league. Yeah. So now you're pairing with a another first line center pretty much. And then you have another person like Lekkonen with Nachushkin on that line. So you have two lines with a first with first line center and a first line winger and a person that's willing to go into the corners and just take the hits, grind it out, just be a pain in the ass. That's a good one two punch. That is hard to match. That's well, smart. Well, not only that, you've got your other lines that have started to roll as well. So it just makes it that much easier yeah. for the team to be like, okay, well, if everything else is rolling, we have less of a worry to try and do these little swaps at the top. Because usually if you're doing that in the playoffs, uh, nothing good is going to come of it. And yeah. that that's not really an issue that the Avs uh, have. And yes, it's going to be int- I don't think that this is going to be a four game series. I think that that would be uh, absolutely shocking. Um I I do want to see a lot of games out of this series though just cuz I think these two teams if they if they really start to get each other figured out, we might start to see some crazy plays start to happen like McDavid doing that spinorama at full speed against the Flames, McCarr <laughs> doing something. I just want to see who's I mean, going to make the other looks. Has. Yeah. I, I just want to see, is it going to be Makar that makes McKinnon look bad? Or or not McKinnon, uh, McDavid, or McDavid that looks McCarr uh, look bad? Because it's bound to happen. Because those two end up on the ice against each other a lot. 
and you're not expecting Dreisaitl to do crazy moves right now. The dude just, like, hobbles into place and scores still. He's yeah. still, like, the most productive player in the playoffs with everybody knows he only has one ankle right now. Yeah, he's pretty much, you know, when you would go to, like, a public skate and there was always that kid with the chair? Just, like, <laughs> skating and pushing a chair? That is that is Dreisaitl. He's got his skate. He's got a stick on his back like it's a sword. And he, like, pushes the chair into the offensive zone, and then he pulls on the stick, and he's just like, all right, I'm good. And then they just feed him the puck, and he scores. Nuge so, and Hyman are, like, pushing him into position. Exactly. <laughs> that is 100% Edmonton Oilers hockey. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but the series has been really interesting already, and it's been literally one game. I haven't, obviously, since we're recording this, I don't have a, a TV in my room. I just have a computer monitor, and I have poor internet. So I can't stream... <laughs> the game while we do it plus nobody wants to hear me going oh come on the whole time so right now we are just watching the box score but seeing that it's three nothing again it's nice to see high scoring games you don't you it's been a long time since we've seen playoff series with like these big time numbers and it's well fun. especially when you had well now two eliminated teams uh dallas and calgary and everybody was like okay it's the it's the Jake Ottinger show, and then yeah. all of a sudden they move on, and it's oh Markstrom is um, huh what happened there? And Igor's kind of done the opposite. Because we can go to that series if you want, because that one excuse me started up last night, and I don't think anybody saw game one between the Rangers and Tampa going like that. However, you look up the stats. What is it now? Seven times in a row the team that comes off the game seven wins in dominant fashion against the team that just swept in the previous round and that was a pretty one-sided game um it looks that way uh if you look at the analytics side so like the money puck or whatever it is that does the deserve to win it was like yep. 80 almost 80 percent for tampa but that's every single New York Rangers game because they just let every good shot get in at Shesterkin. And he looked like the Vesna winner that he's most likely going to be. Yeah, he was in he was in amazing form. Like just watching him move, it just it seemed effortless, which like as much as I don't want Colorado to lose, I want them to go to the Stanley Cup finals. And as much as I don't want the Rangers to win <laughs> no, and go I to the, don't want the Rangers, <laughs> but the one thing I do want is a Mike Smith versus Igor Shesterkin game simply because do you want to see a man who looks like his body is being controlled by strings as Mike Smith is and versus <laughs> Igor who is like composed and looks solid. Like it's just, they're so different. They look, they play such a different game and Igor is so confident in net. It's, it's great. Honestly, I love it. I love seeing a goalie just like rise up out of nowhere. You know, maybe it's a Nadelkovich situation again. You know, maybe he does next year. He's not so as good. But I mean, he's definitely proving that he is. I think he's the real deal. And it's exciting. It's really exciting to see that again. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, poor Rangers fans, they go from one of the greatest goalies to never win a cup to potentially a goalie that could win them a cup this year. The way that um, he's playing, and not only that, um, I know line? the yeah the kid line and um, Kreider. You don't realize his playoff stats are scary. Like yeah. he has a ridiculous amount of playoff goals, especially in elimination games. Um, so the the interesting thing though is Tampa's got that seventeen and zero streak. And for those that don't know, Tampa Bay is 17-0 and after coming off of a loss. They have not lost back-to-back -back games since they were swept by Columbus. Uh, and on those back-to-back on those -back games, aside from the series against the Leafs, Tampa's been, like, dominant, very dominant in those games. So... Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Apparently, Point was skating before the game and oh, was good. was struggling, though. So it, it seems like he may not be back at all this series. 
potentially. Um, and it's crazy for me to say because I was very against the Rangers. I still stand by they're probably the worst team remaining at this point. But I love it. They're goal te- <laughs> they've got like you can argue based on the stats of Vasilevsky in the last series against Florida that he's the best goalie. But the way Shosturkin showed up in game one, the way that he kind of he can take over games and mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to get rattled. And who cares if the Rangers give up all those shots and their defense doesn't defend? They're scoring like the Panthers did in the regular season. And that's a problem for uh, Tampa, Colorado, or Edmonton. And I am just, I'm so happy to see Heedle heat up. Philly Heat coming in. He has four goals in two games, I think it is. What a time to uh, get hot, by the way, eh? Oh, and, like, he was a first-round draft pick a couple years back, and it's just it's good to see that gear click in for a player that was probably counted out. Like, I, I think about, like, um, Tyson Jost, for instance, like, first-round draft pick, and it just never worked out, you know, whether it was something he he didn't he was called up too early or whatever it is conditioning didn't work out the line mates didn't work out it's just so nice to see him playing with i believe the line is because i'm not a rangers fan so i don't know the line matchups off the top of my head but i believe the lineup the matchup is uh philly heat capo caco and i'm pretty sure it's lafreniere uh talk about two players that uh especially lafreniere uh all it took was finding that that line, I know you were very critical of him earlier on in the year, and I had, 100%. and I had said the the issue for him is that there's an embarrassment of riches ahead of him, and what what did Tampa Bay do to win their last two cups? They had the best third line in hockey. Their third line could match up against first lines. Uh, I think the kid line is that, except it's the young guns instead of Coleman, Gaudreau, and um, Yanni Gord. It's that line is probably going to end up being the difference maker in this series. That's um, the third line. That's I just looked up. That's what line. it is, though. Like you have to uh, HBK line when Pittsburgh won theirs. That was mm-hmm. the third line with. Um, oh, why can't I think of who was with Kessel on that line? Uh, Benino and um, something with an H. Yes, yeah, somebody with an H. Uh, I can't think of it, but it's the recent trend in the last few years is you have to have the best third line. And I think the Rangers have it right now because I I can't tell you who the third line is on um, Tampa right now. You obviously know who the third line is. Hagel. Oh, yeah. So it's Hagel, Nick Paul, and then someone else. So two traded players so they're trying to remake the magic rebuild it yeah you obviously know the avs one but who cares about the edmonton oilers third line like their third and fourth line finally got points in the last game excuse me the last game so it's and that's what we know about them anyway i mean the rangers are scary they i look at the rangers lineup and on paper it is probably one of the better lineups in the league. So first line, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Frank uh, Frank Vetrano, which is good trade. for him. Good for him to get up on that top line. And it's also interesting because I feel like that is sort of like a Miko Rantanen sort of thing because the second line is Artemi Panarin, which is insane that Panarin's on the second line. But that's what's Ryan, so scary, right? Yeah. Ryan Strom and then Andrew Kopp. So Andrew Kopp with the right wing. Which, by the way, uh, Jets fans were so happy that the Rangers moved on because now they get a first-round draft pick instead of a second round because the Rangers yep. made it to the conference final for that Andrew Kopp trade. So the Rangers are like, well, we don't care because if we win the Cup, then it's a 30-second pick. So, like, yeah. that that top six is scary. And then, yeah, you go to a first overall pick, a second overall pick, and I can't remember what Heedle was uh, at, but, like, it, it's called the kid line. It could be the the first round line, yeah. Uh, and then of course you've got just the bruisers on the fourth line. Um, uh, Tyler Mott, Barclay, Barclay Goudreau, and Ryan Reeves. And this that actually, is like straight up '90s goon line, by the way. But I do want to kind of talk about Ryan Reeves a little bit. I think I know where you're going with this, but we'll see. 
because have you noticed that he is playing good? He always like, has, but in when he was on Vegas, up a bit. when he was on Vegas, he, they basically said, you are the pit bull. You're going to yeah. go cause as much trouble as you can. Try and stay out of the penalty box. If you don't, eh, no big deal. But he has hands. He's shown it in the past. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, yeah, you've got Goudreau, who's your back-to-back uh, champion on your team, centering your fourth line. And Tyler Mott, who spin the wheel. Who's he going to injure on Tampa this round? But, I mean, that, like, you go from the third line. It's of, not Mott that does that. Wasn't it Mott? No, who was no. it? Um, That's um, Truba, Truba, sorry. Yeah. Oh, right, former Jet, my bad. Um, but, like, that fourth line, they can shut you down or they're going to go toe-to-toe. The rain, I didn't think I would say this at the start of the playoffs, especially with how much they struggled against Pittsburgh. They probably rival Colorado for the most complete team right now, and because Kemper's out, I'd I'd almost put the edge to the Rangers because if Shesterkin keeps playing the way that he does, even though he had that almost injury scare, Tampa's Tampa. They're going yeah. to probably win this next game unless the streak ends. If the streak ends, then it's anybody's Stanley Cup, honestly. But this Rangers team, this could end up being one of the best rebuilds we ever see in our lifetime. Obviously, a big part of that is giving ten plus million to Panarin, but yeah. But the the one weakness that I can see for sure though is their defense. Like we've talked about how many high danger chances Shisterkin has to see, and he sees too many high danger. And like you look at the names on it and. Like, you've got Adam Fox. That's fantastic. But he's paired with Ryan Lindgren. And he's good. Well, the whole but... thing with Lindgren, especially from watching, I've watched way too much Rangers hockey. It, it bothers me. <laughs> um, so, you know how you, uh, I think it's a Steve Dangle podcast, always talks about the sword and the, or the spear and the shield. Yeah. Um, obviously, Fox is your spear. Lindgren, I think he has like the most or second most blocked shots. The dude is literally every single shift hobbling to the bench, goes back out the next one, and he's good to go. Yeah. Who who cares true. if he's not the biggest name on he's defense? He's the paladin. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is honestly like, he is the tank slash healer. He's double rolling in the back there to allow the Rangers to do these crazy things, and it's working because Fox is, uh, setting or he's like a few points away from setting records as a defenseman. Uh, between him and Makar, it's it's crazy to watch, but but you look at the second line though, and that's where the drop off hits. Oh, absolutely. So Keandre Miller, uh, sorry, Keandre Miller, good player, just but like still the drop has a from lot of... first pairing to second pairing though is it's, monumental. It's almost, it's almost like a first to a third is what it feels like. So you've got Keandre Miller and then Jacob Truba, and Truba's really good at hurting people, and that's about it. Um, and then, well, no, he can do other things, but, um, <laughs> and then you've got Justin Braun and Braden Schneider. Again, they're not bad players. They're obviously better than we ever will be. Oh yeah. Like combined and everybody probably in our neighborhoods combined, like they will be better than all of that. But, um, you just, when you stack it up against, um, I love that we're doing like Stanley cup matchups now. And in the sense of like Colorado versus New York, but you, if you match up the defensive pairings, that is where the edge would be. And as much as Colorado's defense has not looked good, they still would be the better of the two teams, in my opinion. I know, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but if you can have Bowen Byram as a second-pairing defenseman and he just continues to get better every single game, that's... Just don't let him on the ice when Truba's on the ice. Let's seriously. But here's that's... The, the thing with the Rangers, though, is that's honestly part of their game plan. They know when Fox and Lindgren aren't on the ice, it's shot after shot after shot. You have to imagine that every single time uh, Shesterkin sees them go to the bench, he's like, okay, here we go. And he just yeah. gets himself ready for like 17 shots that most other goalies in the league would give up 16 goals on the highlights from game one was absolutely unreal uh it's 
yeah, I I've completely swapped from where I started on the Rangers, which takes a lot because look at what is on my cup for those of you watching. That is the New Jersey Devils logo. I have my Devils hat right here. And I think the Rangers are probably going to take the East at this rate. I think that if they win tomorrow, so tomorrow, tomorrow being Friday, because we're recording Thursday <laughs> night. Um, but if they win the game tomorrow and they are able to break that Tampa Bay win after a loss streak, I don't think Tampa can come back. I think that that will be that final stone. Cause they've uh, never had to do it in any of their cup runs. No. So it would be like, that's the thing. Yeah. You've won two cups in a row. You've, this would be a whole different thing. And some, yeah, and at least this time it wouldn't be Bobrovsky that they're going up against, but Panarin's there. Uh, did you see the, the post on Reddit about how good Panarin is against Tampa? He eats Tampa Bay alive. Like the stats yeah. going back, even when he was with Columbus, it is a one-sided uh, matchup. And, that is that series is crazy. I didn't think it would end up being um, as good as what we are most likely going to get. Uh, I was honestly hoping that Edmonton, Colorado, at least at this point in the second intermission, uh, we would see like eight goals on the board. But nah, I mean, I don't really like as much as it's like I, I'm going to kind of contradict myself a little bit, but. Um, as much as it is nice to see these huge numbers, you know, the eight, six game or whatever that ended up being <laughs> like that to me is a bit of a clown show. I like when it's like four, two or five, two, like, you know, normal games, but like, those are the eight, six, that's like regular season wheels fall off. Ah, it's just a point sort of thing. Um, well, that's different for you though, because you've got the Stanley cup champion banner behind you. You're wearing an Avs jersey as an out, like as somebody with no horse in the race. Obviously, I've stated in the past, the Oilers are my second team. The crazier the games as a neutral observer, the more fun it is and the more likely I am to tune in. For you and other Avalanche fans, it's the worst possible type of game. Oh, yeah. So it's it's one of those like. If if it combined for like a hundred goals over seven games between those two teams, that would be a non Avs or Oilers fans dream, and an absolute nightmare for anybody who cheers for or is involved in either of those organizations. Yeah, yeah, no, and I don't know. Maybe it's just me being an old curmudgeon or however you say it, but that, it's just that first it's, game. It, yeah. That first game, if you had somebody who had only ever watched a game or two of hockey before, and that was the game that they got to watch, that's how you pull somebody in. Sometimes the playoffs, they're not always going yeah. to be these goalie battles, which for diehard hockey fans, that uh, Calgary-Dallas series, it was good for that because you don't. it's not very often we get to see a goalie just kind of take over kind of the way that happened in that series. But you're watching four of the best players in the league go at it. And strangely enough, they weren't the ones doing most of the plays. It's it's fun, exciting hockey to watch as a neutral observer. And mm -hmm. it just doesn't help your heart rate. No, no, not at all. Um, I just, oof, it's, uh <laughs> it's so much stress it, watching this that is probably game, helping your stress not watching right now by the well, way <laughs> see, the problem that i have the problem i have with the abs in the playoffs and this is a legitimate concern is that we are now in toronto maple leafs territory of no lead is safe oh yeah no lead is safe with this damn team right now because as soon as they get a good enough cushion like if they got to four nothing right now it's currently the end of the second. It is three nothing. If they hit four nothing, you know they would back off. That's what they do. They start to ease back a bit. They're like, okay, we've got a comfortable thing. And then suddenly one goal, two goal, three goal, and it's a close game again. And they have to fight for the win. And at that point, the other team's red hot and they have to try and get back to that. No, they've done it 
countless times this playoffs. They still are able to win, but at the same time, I don't like it. I and hate it so much. <laughs> like without that um, offside, not offside goal, and then the penalty, and then Colorado scoring on that power play, uh, it that's a tie game at that point between Edmonton and Colorado. So it's if I no I can, I can see that. Uh, no, because minus two goals. That would have been. It would have. It still would have been tied going two two into the the second net. period. Yeah, it would. It would have been tied two two going into the second period though. Uh, and true. then Colorado scores on the in the third in the in the second on that first power play. So it's it, it'd be a totally different game. Um, yeah. One thing I can see right now though, um, just as we kind of live go along with this, um, there could be momentum. Edmonton does have a power play to start uh, the third period, which will be going here shortly on um, our side of things. So uh, I asked you last time because we did this while there was a game going on. It is currently 3-0 Colorado. Score for the end of the game. Oh, I don't like this game. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got to I've, I've ask you before play gets started. All right. I think it's going to be 5-3, but I think Edmonton is going to score five unanswered goals. Ooh, okay. Uh, sorry, if anybody watching, looking down, I'm literally sending myself notes so I remember these things for later because um, my keyboard is way too loud to type on. Yep. So, okay. Um, and here's the thing. If a team's going to do it, uh, Edmonton's the Oilers, proven they can. If they are one of those teams that, yeah, if you your foot comes off the gas just slightly or McDavid sees you're out of position, he eats players alive. Like, it is watching. It's nice to finally see what, he can do in the playoffs like my favorite one of my favorite things uh in the past week was seeing that john tortorella uh quote going around that if mcdavid wants to have success in the playoffs you're not just going to outscore your problem and it's like (laughs) ta-da this is the entire series the the oilers a suspect the least amount of goals they had in the last series was four uh they lost when they scored seven yeah it's Uh, and so I'm I'm actually very confident with Pavel Francouz in that he's he's a very good goaltender. Um and I've talked about it before, but again, he's a right hand catch, which is a little bit of a different thing for most teams to go up against because there's only two starting right hand catch, him and Peterson on the Kings. Um so it it's a bit more of a difficult game to play against. Um and he's also he's been working really hard to try and get a starter position. That is his goal. He doesn't want to be a backup. He doesn't mind being a backup at all, but he wants to be a starter. Um, And like, you can really see it in his play. It's really evolved since they picked him up a couple years back, or at least started playing him a couple years back. And the other thing that's kind of nice that makes me kind of happy is the backup that they have for him in case, I mean, it's goalies in the playoffs, which means who knows, one of them can just blow up for some reason. Um, <laughs> Especially if they play for Colorado. Yeah, there it literally goalies are like from Spinal Tap for anybody that might be listening that has never seen the movie. This is Spinal Tap. Pretty much their drummer just dies unexpectedly for no reason. Like one person turned into goo. Um, <laughs> but that is the goaltending situation with Colorado almost every single playoffs. But the nice thing is, is the backup for Francois right now is not Hunter Miska. Like it had been throughout the season. Hunter Miska was the backup for the AHL team, not even the starter for the AHL team. And they would call him up generally. And it's not that he's a bad goaltender. He's just not NHL tier. Um, not yet. They have Justus Anunin. <laughs> I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Um, and you have seen him. If you've watched any of the World Juniors or really any uh, international competition, you've seen him in net. 
and he is very, very good. He would play for Team Finland, and he oh, is. Oh, I know exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> Yushtis Anunin is a very, very talented goaltender. He's still very young, but it makes me comfortable knowing that if Francois is out, there is at least another goaltender in there that has been known to carry teams, and that's what he did for Team Finland. Um, I think he carried them to a silver medal because the team was just not there, but he was. So it's good. Um, and say he doesn't even get into a game because Francis plays well, that might be one of the best things for him, seeing that mm -hmm. action not up from the press box, but yeah. sitting there alongside and being a part of that. It, you just never goalies are the weirdest thing on the planet. Like half of them break into the league when they're almost like 30 years old. It seems. And Pavel Francouz, I think he's 33, 34 and yeah. this could be his shining time. Yeah. Jack, so. Jack Campbell's going to make the most money of his career. And he's, he's up there in age. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as of right now, he's shut out the Oilers in this game. Oh, you said it. We'll, oh, if you. it's if it's me that causes Mother. it, then that's absolutely hilarious because you know it won't be me that causes it. Um, I know. <laughs> just just because of that, it's it's gonna end up being like Ryan Nugent Hopkins or like the fourth line somebody on the fourth line. Derek Ryan gets a hat trick. No, you know what it's gonna be Tyson Berry. The, Tyson the guy, Berry is going to come in and score three goals and ruin everybody's life. Um, can I bring something up? So before the playoffs started, we had we talked about like unsung heroes. I would like to point out, I said the wrong former Leafs defenseman. I said Tyson Berry, Cody Ceci. Um, I think Toronto wasn't using him properly. Yeah. He is. He is showing everybody that Toronto had it completely wrong with him because he is so good for Edmonton this playoff run well I think it's because they were trying to use him as I mean we go back to the the sword and shield sort of mentality and they were trying to use him as both but neither like there there wasn't really a set sort of way that he was supposed to play is what it felt like he would attack on the rush and you know he'd then have to scramble back, which obviously that's not his forte. He's more of a shutdown and move the play out. He is a defensive defenseman to the core. And he might have been an offensive or a two-way um, earlier on in his career, but he's older now. He has to change his game. And clearly the defensive coach on Edmonton said, hey, you're older now. You need to change <laughs> your game. Like... <laughs> Just like Jonathan Quick is another really good example of that, in my opinion, of, hey, you've had 4,000 groin injuries. Maybe you shouldn't play the way you used to play. Let's figure out a way to adapt to the way that you're playing now. Um, and it works. It clearly works. Like you, you, Joe Pavelski, that's another one. Like, you know he's not playing the same way. Like, if you watch a tape from 10 years ago versus right now, those are going to be two completely different players on the ice. Oh, yeah. But he's still proving that there's value in him because he's adapted his play and you know what good for Cody CC and good for the coaching staff for saying hey this is what you got to do because I I'm positive that that's what happened oh, yeah. I have no idea but I'm just pretty sure sometimes <laughs> yeah and sometimes it could have been just getting him out of Toronto because he was the anything goes wrong well it was CC's fault that uh, Toronto seems to do that with a lot of players um one thing we haven't talked about uh and we've talked about this team a lot actually is during this round of um, the playoffs, the NHL is doing the awards a lot differently this year. Obviously, before the pandemic, they would do the giant show in Vegas to be like, hey, here's what, who won what now. Um, about two hours ago, they announced who won the Jack Adams Award. That's Coach of the Year. I'm not sure if you've seen who, excuse me, won it yet, Pat, or not. Oh, no, I haven't. Okay. Who do you think, since I did know before, I, w I just wanted to verify, um, if I remember correctly, it was um, uh, whoever the uh, head coach was for the Panthers. Was it Burnett? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Burnett, 
Um, I should have looked at this up. I believe wasn't it Burnett Cooper and it wasn't Cooper. Oh, um, the New York Rangers one, Gallant. Was it Gallant? <laughs> We're so bad at this. yes, it was. Okay, so yes, uh, Burnett Gallant well, who's and the third uh, one that clearly won it. <laughs> can you guess? No, I can't remember. Daryl Sutter. Oh, good for him. Uh, his first time. Uh, winning it, which is kind of crazy. Mm, well, he was, I mean, he was also he has a, good teams. He was also a finalist for the award uh, back in 2003-2004 when he was also the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, just because you have a good team doesn't mean that you're going to be winning the awards for it. I mean, you look at Jared Bednar. Like, he's, he's had a really solid team for quite a while. They put up really good points. Nothing. Uh, he was tied for fifth in voting with Todd McClellan of L.A., so it went... Uh, McClellan, di- I think, should have been higher. Personally, I think that McClellan should have been in the top three. So it went uh, Daryl Sutter, Andrew Burnett, Gerard Gallant. There was massive separation between all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Evason. Evason? Uh, Minnesota in fourth place. Oh. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Bednar, McClellan, Tide, Rod Brindamore, Mike Sullivan, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, and then after that, it doesn't matter. Um, somehow, um, Bruce Boudreau and Jay Woodcroft uh, both got one second and two third place votes, so they're tied for twelfth. I mean, I if think they, Woodcroft if they had a full gotten, season. Yeah, yeah, Woodcroft should have gotten uh, much higher. Um, obviously he's, he's been able to turn this team around. Um, I also think St. Louis should have gotten at least a couple nods. Um, that's another coach that really like they came in. So yeah, I feel like there should almost be an award for mid season coach acquisition, best one out of all of them, (laughs) because I would love to see Woodcroft, St. Louis and, um, Bruce, like just the head butting between the three they have to fight it out to see who wins <laughs> and which by the way marty st louis officially uh yes. named head coach for the montreal canadians which habs fans are stoked for because they've got a new head coach uh in a few weeks time they will have a shiny new number one overall draft and if anybody thinks it's not going to be shane Wright, they're crazy um, um, i'm seeing more and more projections that you know they're they're looking centers are not, are pretty easy to find and they have good center depth. They said the exact same thing in the um, Jack Hughes Capo Caco draft, and that one has shown uh, that was a clear number one and number two. So at least right now, yeah. So it's it. I I honestly whoever they whoever the Habs take first, um, if they don't take right you know the devil's will, and I will be ecstatic for it. Yep. Who, who cares that we have a franchise center ahead of him and a captain uh, rocking second-line center? You you figure it out. Um, you teach one of them to play wing. That's like that's what they're going to have to do if they if they do have to pick right, because let's be honest, if right is on the table, they're not going to walk away from that. That's stupid. No, it's, it's one of those things that if, say, uh, Slav goes first – before they get the jersey on him, I'm pretty sure I messaged this to you. Like the devils would run up and be like, uh, "Shane Wright, Shane, get up here!" They just run up and kick him. They're just like, "Screw you guys, we don't want, to, we don't care about you, Shane Wright." Uh. <laughs> they get booed in Montreal to to draft Shane Wright. The only uh, the only thing that does make me sad though is that how much better it would have been if this was the Lafreniere draft because the the French Canadian kid getting yeah. draft, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'm maybe they go for Savoie or Savoy unless he's not French, even though he sounds didn't French. We, just didn't like we Laurent look that Bourgeois. up before, and he was oh, yeah. from like uh, Alberta or Regina or something like that. That is the one that currently plays for um, Seattle, but I think there's another Savoie or Lavoy. I don't know. There's there's another <laughs> name that's very French sounding. So, but it's the same with like Laurent Brossois. Which isn't Laurent Bossois. It's Laurent Brossoit or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's the same with like LaCroix at drinks. They're not LaCroix. It's LaCroix. 
it's the most French looking title of a drink ever and LaCroix. LaCroix. Come on. <laughs> Liars. Um, honestly, for the draft at this point, I'm just so happy we're second because it's the it's a weird thing cuz the Devils were two first overall picks and then obviously the year for Nico going number 1, there's all that pressure behind and He's still one of the top players from that draft. He is not the top player, nor will he ever be. Nope. When you draft second, at least there's the pressure of if your pick doesn't quite make it, it's not that first overall bust, which is a scarier thing to see. Mind you, the Devils have a, uh, what did Zach go sixth or seventh? And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone soon. Change of scenery player, like you were talking about with um, uh, Tyson Yost. Yep. He's, yeah. he's good. He just, he's not what he was advertised and what the Devils want him to be. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the risk with drafting. You, you rely on your scouts to look at these people and you rely on a lot of scouts. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like we start to see a little bit of a shift in the, the way that scouting's done, but you never know because it's so different. It, uh, you look at Moneyball, one of my favorite movies, by the way, Moneyball. It's so um, And uh, on paper, Billy Bean was unstoppably good. He was supposed to be the next biggest thing in baseball. And then he got to the major league and it just didn't work. He couldn't find it. He just, he couldn't find his groove. He couldn't, it just never worked out for him. And I find that like, that's a little bit more solo like you baseball you kind of as much as you're on a team like you play one specific position you have to catch the ball in that position you hit alone hockey you have to work as a team so it's like you don't find the right teammates you don't land on the right line you don't get enough time you know whatever it may gets be vegas coming into the league and suddenly you're a superstar yeah so there's such a gamble with it and that's that's honestly what makes the draft so fun is like seeing who they're going to take that risk on. And that's why I really, 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 really hope New Jersey does get uh, Slavlowski or however you pronounce his last name, because I think that'll be such a good fit for their team dynamic to have that size, to have that physicality, but also that skill. I think that's necessary for the team because they don't particularly have that very much. Or, they have Miles Wood, but that's that's kind of that's about a, it. That's a different style. He's the Tasmanian Devil on the ice, and the only thing that I do hope is that we've got a scouting staff that is as um, competent and believes in themselves as much as the Detroit Red Wings. Um, yeah. You and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. We're we're getting off the playoffs during this, but I was watching something on the Red Wings because the draft when they took um, Cider. Mm-hmm. That like, if I remember correctly, TSN didn't even have a graphic ready for him. They all they had was like his name. That was it, and everybody was like, um, "Did Iserman just come here to screw over the Red Wings?" And fast forward a few years, and there's a good chance that from that draft, he could be the top two, top three player. Yeah, like that's. That's the thing with the draft sometimes, even if you're at a higher pick, you might see something. So I'm just hoping that it's a player that can help the Devils. Obviously, uh, if the Devils are going to do anything, uh, a forward isn't going to help. A defenseman isn't going to help. We don't even know if our star-ish goalie is coming back next season. Mm -hmm. We don't even know if we have a goalie next season. So... Luckily, yeah. there's somebody on the market who the Devils could go after that I kind of like from Toronto. So there's that. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, no, and that's why this offseason is going to be really incredibly interesting to watch because I think that there is going to be some pretty groundbreaking moves. Um, ones that are really going to shake it up because now we are getting into high contracts and goalies know they can get high contracts. Unfortunately, uh, Grubauer um, kind of set that bar a bit higher. Um but that also, by setting the bar higher, he also made it lower. Yeah, least... I, I get what you mean. Because last the offseason was all about defensemen and yep. all about goalies. And you just don't know what you're going to get until it happens because a player or two could get locked down immediately. Mm-hmm. And who knows which way it's going to go. Well, and I think that this year it's going to be 
there's still going to be obviously a need for defensemen. Like there's there a need for is. all the players. For, right, like come on, defensemen every year. Yeah, there's still going to be that overarching theme, but goaltenders are now going to be this like really hot topic. And then what we talked about earlier in this episode, third liners, they are, they're going to be teams that are looking at what's happening right now. And you've got proof of it with Tampa. They had that flawless line, that flawless third round line that won them two cups. Say what you will about all the other players. They did fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but that third line without it, what happens? Well, we're seeing it. Not I, as good. I wonder if we're going to see a team that is doing pretty well next year that essentially trades away the farm and future for a complete third line. Like, they, they pick and choose from a few teams. They make it work. Like, it's, it is one of those crazy things that, yeah, your first and second line are important, but there's so much evidence to back it up now that it's it's crazy and yeah like Colorado and New York are probably the best third lines remaining that is who I right now have pegged to go to the uh cup final I know that I said whoever won between Tampa and Toronto would go to the cup but uh I wasn't expecting New York A to move on or mm. B to finally play like a team that is somewhat competent at defense but then they have the best goalie currently in the world backstopping them and i mean that's kind of one tampa a stanley cup or two at this point yeah um the one thing i am going to say is i just made a face when i looked up colorado's third line because it's different from last game (laughs) Um, so new hook. Um, yeah. So their top line is Landeskog, McKinnon, Nachushkin, Lekkonen, Kadri, Rantanen, new hook, Comfer, Abe Kubel. Okay. So, uh, no Comfer was on the third line, but that's a, that's a shift on the, uh, the other wing, right? Yeah. So Abe Kubel, he was scratched last game. So good for him. Like that was a waiver wire pickup, by the way, from Philly. Like the fact that they were able to pick up somebody like Abe Kubel, who is he's just a get in the corner and piss you off kind of player. <laughs> he's just so annoying to play against. Like I can't imagine having to play against him. He just looks like a little gnat just running around the ice, just annoying players. But then, yeah, the fourth line is Cogliano, Darren Helm, Darren Helm with that game winning goal again on the anniversary of his other game winning goal in overtime to send um, uh, Detroit to the Stanley cup finals. Right. And then uh, Logan O'Connor. So honestly three and four could just, they could swap and it would be painful to play against either one. And Darren Helm is, is another. So Darren Helm is another player actually. That's very interesting to me. I didn't know he was that quick. Did you know he was that fast? Uh, I didn't realize he was still that fast. Some players, they they just have this, like, sneaky speed to them that you're just like, oh, look at him go, I guess. I feel bad for Cogliano because Darren Helm can skate his brains out. Logan O'Connor is so fast. Sometimes I think when he's on the ice, I mistake him for McKinnon. I'm, I'm not even lying. And then Cogliano... I'm pretty sure, doesn't he have, like, robotic knees at this point? Isn't he just, like, pretty much rebuilt from the ground up? I I don't think you're wrong on that one. Um, yeah, like, that top to bottom, it's scary. And then I was just quickly looking at the um, uh, time on ice for them. You can mm-hmm. definitely tell that they're riding that first line and the fourth line not getting on there as much, which isn't surprising. I'm hitting record again. Um, so, little jump cut in here. Um, my computer ran out of space during the recording (laughs) and I was trying to, um, get a, get ahead of it doing that. Um, I wasn't fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Uh, I guess I have this saving to the wrong spot. I'll have to fix that in the future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's probably not a good thing to have us run out of tape. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I guess the difference of doing video, which is a couple gigabytes compared to like an 80 
megabyte audio file that we used yeah. to have. Um, but I mean, we were getting near the end anyway. Um, yeah. The one thing I do want to yes, at least kind of touch on is uh, Jason Spezza. Since we last recorded, he has announced his retirement. But that is not the end of Jason Spezza in Toronto. He is going to be assistant to the regional manager. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, assistant to the general manager. Um, but yeah, no, he is going to be in the head office with uh, Kyle Dubas in some capacity, which is awesome. It's really good to see that he is staying on with Toronto. Like he, that's the isn't that the lowest tenured team he played for, or at least. He didn't play there as long as other ones. That's yeah, for sure. I, I think you're right on that. And there is, um, he could technically, if he wanted to, uh, re-sign just before the trade deadline to play if he is in shape. So you you never know. He's a couple points away from 1,000. So maybe the Jason Spezza veteran comes back at the deadline. They don't have to trade anything away for it happens. Um you watch like if you watched him, especially in game five in that series against Tampa, um, I'm shocked he's not going to be. Well, he'll be on. He'll be a head coach in this league. Oh, yeah. Um, he is the only reason why the Leafs calmed down and won that game five. Like Shel- you, you can watch the coaching staff step back to let him take over to calm down every single one of those players. So uh, it's a great thing for the Leafs. Uh, you always like seeing when a player like that comes in, makes a difference and oh, then yeah. wants to try and stay in the game. Cause he seems like one of those players that he, he could do some major change for good in this league. Yeah. He he's very passionate about the sport. Um, and he just, he clearly loves the team that's there right now. Um, there'd be no other reason for him to sign if that wasn't the case. Um, so it's, it's really good to see, like, that's such an awesome fit. And, you know, he was such a, like you said, he was such an important piece on that bench. Like, it's just a testament to the, you know, the constant people saying, oh, veteran presence, you need a veteran presence. This is, this is proof of what it can do. Not of it's always like, it's not always successful. I mean, Patrick Marlowe, they tried it kind of worked, but it kind of fizzled. They tried it. Exactly. So whereas Jason Spezza clearly came in and just he loved the Leafs and he loved that team. And it's it's like good for him. He he had a fantastic career. Um, and if he does come back just to pot those few goals to hit that, you know, that that huge. What is I can't even think benchmark. Yeah. yeah, a thousand. There you go. I couldn't. My brain is shutting down. It is 1030 and Much I like worked my a long week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Much like the recording went. But no, it is fantastic to see him uh, get that job right away. Uh, good on Dubis, good on Shanahan, good on everybody in that office to to see what he can bring to the team, whether he's on the ice or not. I I think that's a, a good spot to end this one. Um, there's a lot going on by this time next week. We could be talking about Stanley Cup finals, uh, which is crazy to think. So uh, looking forward to that one. Want to thank everybody, especially those who have um, decided to, for some reason, see what we look like. Uh, your brave <laughs> souls. Um, you I will cut me. this hair. I will cut it at some point. But your hair, you can't even like right now. I'm kind of hidden because, but like, <sighs> I've got a mane and a half, and people sitting through me having fun doing different production things on the video side. Those of you who are still just listening along. Thank you very much. Um, hopefully get back to putting more stuff out on socials. It all depends on how busy I am. Some some weeks and some days in a tactic right now with, uh, I don't know, like an election that's happening in our province right now. So, yeah. And, you know, you also have two kids. Yeah, there's that part, too. Like young oh, and, children. Uh, and I'm taking university courses uh, full time summer load. So. Yeah, and I like sitting on a couch, so we're in the same boat. Um, no, I do so. I like I do social media for my job, and there is like now we're completely deviating from hockey. But let me tell you how awful <laughs> it is to be a social media person in this day and age. Obviously, you know this, Brian, because you also you're in the news area, so you have to deal with it quite a bit. But having that constantly on your feed, the last thing I want to do 
is post anything on my personal. Yeah. I do it because there are some great things, but at the same time, my goodness, there, there's a reason why I don't dive too deeply into social media on the side sort of thing. So yes, um, we are, we're both very, very tired. I think everybody's tired. <laughs> I, yep. And I think on that, that note, Pat, it's, it's time to say uh, goodbye. It's, it's time to end the podcast. We'll talk to everybody again next week. But wait, before we do. Oh, I'll put you back on screen. Am I back? Yeah, you're you're there. Okay. Uh so it's Pride Month uh, and yes. I I wanted to at least make a point on that uh with it being uh, June is Pride Month and I wanted to uh with each podcast we do, I want to call out just a nonprofit at least here uh in Canada that if you want to show support in any way, just ones that I don't know if they're the best, the worst, whatever they are, just ones that have really resonated with myself. Um, and the first one I want to call out is, uh, and they've partnered quite a bit with breweries, so there's other ways you can help out, is Rainbow Railroad. So uh, actually, this one I first was brought to my attention uh, during Canada's Drag Race. And what they do is, with refugee company, uh, countries, there's a lot of refugees that are gay, and it is illegal for them to be gay. And they will be killed or jailed or whatever it is. So what Rainbow Railroad does is they get funds to bring them to Canada to pretty much save their lives. It is insane. If you go to their website, it shows you how many people have requested assistance from them. So just literally begging them to get out of their country for fear of their own lives. That's I, like, I get chills saying that out loud because nobody should have to live that way. That's, that's insane. So over 4,000 people have currently in since January ask for help rainbow railroad helps them get a safe home and get out of a place that wants them to not live anymore because of who they are so rainbow railroad you can support them by going to their website or right now actually uh i believe it's mill street organic has released a beer uh, partnered with rainbow railroad um it is a lemon wheat and you will see lemon the drag queen on the front of it <laughs> It's actually pretty good. I've had a couple of them and uh, quite delicious, but a lot of the proceeds from that will go towards Rainbow Railroad. Um, so yeah, please check that out. And if you are able to donate, please do so. It is a fantastic charity for a very, very good cause. 